fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. I want to thank you, the governor, for opening the bars just in time for the boys. Thank you! Put it in deep! You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, everybody, welcome back. Pucks in Deep podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. What's going on, my friend? It's good to be back, my friend. It sucks that hockey's over and Toronto sports is gone till God knows when. But uh, made, what a time to reconvene. I was going to say the Jays made quick work of their playoff. Holy crap, man. Was that? Now, you're a baseball guy, okay? So you know more than the average dude. But what the fuck was with... Uh, them starting Shoemaker and him getting pulled just as he's starting to heat up in three innings. Like, is that the plan pre-game? Or is somebody else pulling the strings or is Charlie Montoya out of his goddamn mind? You know what, dude? I mean, to, to make an honest assessment, like, you would have to have people on truth serum because it could be a myriad of things. Well, and he, you ever see his post-games or his pre-game interviews? He's just throwing smoke bombs everywhere. Like, he's so cryptic, and, like, remember they asked, why aren't you starting Ryu? And he's like, well, we're just getting creative. Well, that doesn't tell me shit. Yeah, all the media that I heard leading up to game one was that, you know, they were going to start Ryu, and uh, obviously pray to all the gods to put up a W because you had to win the Ryu game. But then they didn't, and it was an interesting decision. I mean, I know I heard a lot of uh, Jays fans of mine, or fans, friends of mine, I should say, uh, that our Jays fans were saying that it was overmanaged, you know, which is right. definitely can happen. We, we we're relief fans, we saw that. Mm-hmm. We definitely saw some of that going on. But I, I do have to admit, uh, let's go. I I didn't follow baseball really at all in this COVID. I, dude, I you know I wanted to save it till later, but I I didn't even really follow the show. I you know I didn't much either, and it's funny we're queuing up our hockey podcast leading up with baseball and leading into how we didn't watch a ton of the playoffs. But it was it was during summer, like it, it just was. At the end of the day, like I don't spend a ton of time on my couch in the summer because I'm out enjoying the weather. Like I agree, you know, I'm an outdoorsy kind of guy, so you I know agree. I kept myself in the loop. But for a while, it's like I didn't even know I wasn't up to date. There were so many times that. I would say to Kirsty, like, okay, babe, you know, the game's at 8 o'clock. I know you like to go to bed early, fucking girls in bed at, like, 8.30, 9 o'clock. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to watch the game tonight. Like, sorry, you know, I'm going to watch the game tonight. You know, you can sleep uh, alone for a bit. I'll snuggle up to you later. And I come out, and I'm all ready to go, and I got the, you know, I got my, all my shit in order. And then I just end up, like, flipping on Warzone or something or or literally just going inside. Like, I... I don't know. And I remember thinking to myself, like, is this, this is bad. Like, is this bad? Am I like losing my, my fanship? And here's what I'll tell you. Let's go. I'll tell you this with complete honesty. I was wrong. I thought that this was going to be no problem whatsoever and no difference. It's going to be amazing. Now the hockey on the ice was amazing, dude. Mm -hmm. It was, I know it was, Mm -hmm. but what did it for me was the lack of the in building emotion that that nervous 
energy and atmosphere that you can just fucking feel it. Mm-hmm. It's You're- there. It's tangible. Yeah. There's there was none of that, you know. And I, most of the time, dude, I'm so jacked up to to throw it on, and they play their 45 second intro, and then they go right to the building, and the fucking towels are going crazy, and they go down to someone by the the glass, and they're like, "Oh, it's crazy here in the SAP Center, folks!" And here we go, you know, like, oh, yeah, it missed it. I missed it too it, much. And you know, the players missed. It. I mean, I, I can't remember who said it specifically, but. Somebody pointed out, they're like, this is like a, a scrimmage out here. And you think about some of these guys who grew up playing major junior, say from age 16, they've been playing in front of crowds, you know, more than half their careers. Yeah. So you got to think that the, the guys who made it deep, the teams that made it deep in the playoffs were able to mentally get past that Overcome and just that. stay focused. Because like you said, the product on the ice, the play, everything was... The what you would expect for playoff hockey. Oh, it was top notch. But but not having that atmosphere as a fan, it, it's something that pulls you in. And I find that um, I find myself watching a highlight, say of a, a big goal or something. The pop is what makes the oh, hairs yeah. stand up on the back of your 20 neck. Twenty some thousand people all saying yeah, yeah at the same time. You know, like it, it just it it can't be pumped in. And I, I wonder if, and you know what, first of all, let me preface this by saying, uh, well, let, let's, let's do a little backup here, Lesko. Episode 67, Pucks and D Podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko, at Coleman42, at Lesko Adam. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for waiting around for us to finally come back. But I'll tell you this, Lesko. The, like you said, the product was great. The announcers were great. I mean, they're like, what, in studio? Like doing yeah. the announcing, you know? So the announcing was great. Um, the, the, the play on the ice was fantastic. And I would really like to tip my cap to the NHL, the NHLPA for coming together and making this happen and awarding the Stanley Cup. Do you know how many people fucking poo-pooed the, the, the shit out of this whole agreement? And oh, there was... Back, this on, is stupid and, and On blah, every blah, blah, sport, blah. on every sport, especially when there was like one positive test or a few positive tests there at the beginning oh, of baseball. Shut it down. This is so dumb. Shut the whole thing down. Like... And, and I heard some interesting takes, and probably the best one I heard regarding that was, oh, it's just because a bunch of nerds don't want us to play sports because they got bullied by jocks in high school. It's, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying I agree with that. I'm just saying I thought it was one of the funniest takes that I did hear. It it's I, like, I, well, I okay, that. well, now the nerds are in charge, and they're telling us we can't, we can't play sports. But, no, yeah, you're right. Kudos to the NHL. I mean, even, even Big Jerry there himself uh, – you know, he really milked it for all his worth during his cup uh, awarding speech. But, I mean, the guy deserves a ton of credit, the PA, the players, and all the staff that made it happen. Uh, pretty incredible what they did, and, and it's something that they can be very proud of, that they salvaged their season and without compromising the integrity. I mean, look at baseball right now. What did they play for two months, less than two months? Mm-hmm. And, and then they had an expanded playoff, which is, you know, I guess what happens with the Blue Jays when an eighth seed really has no business being there. But, you know, I, I think it was great. But going back to what you said earlier when you were like, oh, I thought it was going to be awesome. And I did too. Like all these sports every night, like I could, I literally couldn't keep up. Oh, I was totally fine with that, dude. Let me tell you. I, I, I mean, it's great to be lost. able to flick it on, but yeah. it's just I could not really be engaged too much in one thing or the other. I mean, it kind of lined up where the Leafs were out and then the Raps were still going for a bit. Like, I think the NBA playoffs were just getting underway. Yeah. And the Raps had a decent run against the Celts, but unfortunately went down to seven. Uh, A little bit outmatched, I thought, in that series for the most part. But you're right. Like, keeping up was a challenge even for 
you know, we'd consider ourselves pretty hardcore hockey fans and sports fans in general. How many years have we spent watching the Stanley Cup playoffs without the Leafs even involved? You know, I, I, I'm not putting you on the spot, but dude, for me, like that was a decade. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of our listeners are Leaf fans. We know it was yeah. a decade of your, not your watching. Your hockey season so, ended at the end of March. Yeah. But for me, it never did. Like I, I, so because for me, dude, the, it, I think for me, it's all about the, the calendar here. And I hope a lot of our listeners can agree. For me, it was about the calendar. Yeah, it was August. March, April, May is, for me, the probably the best time of the year as far as the sport, sports world is concerned, followed very closely by October, November, right. December-ish. Because when you have a lot of overlap. Right? Yeah, like in March, April, May, we're looking at Masters, golf season's getting underway, NHL playoffs are happening, the Triple Crown is about to start. Like NBA playoffs. NBA yeah. playoffs, obviously, as well. You know, like it, It's just such a phenomenal time of the year. And then, of course, October, you got the uh, NHL coming back, you got playoff baseball you know so like it was just so strange because like you said earlier i'm just not used to doing those things at that time of the year yeah. and i don't think that i personally could overcome that mm -hmm. and further to all of this the leafs fucked off really early mm -hmm. and uh that would have been it if the leafs were in i would have watched the leaf game and then probably half of the next game yeah maybe all of the next game if they win yeah I'm i, I find up. as a, a diehard leaf fan as, as objective as i try to be in my hockey talk on this show and everything it's it is difficult for me as a hardcore leafs fan to continue to stay engaged i'll still follow but i mean as far as spending a lot of time watching not overly I mean, I watched Tampa because I, I was hot on Tampa. I think if you rewind back to the previous show when we were making our picks, I shouted oh. out Tampa for the dub. And Fucking guys dusting his shoulder off, picking yeah, the best team in the NHL bad. to win the and cup. And by the way, I was also, I don't think it's on the record, but I really wish I put some money on it because I was like, Victor Hedman's going to be one of the main reasons these, these guys win a cup. Yeah. And he was. Oh, yeah. He was absolutely incredible and talk about and do you see the voting actually and how close it was very close he won by like one first place vote over Braden over point. Braden point yeah. and Br Braden point would have been a deserving um de deserving of the con smythe as well yeah dude you couldn't go wrong there really but i mean just the dominance and one of the interesting thing that elliot pointed out in 31 thoughts this past week was the the amount of minutes that headman played with not the top lines the amount of times he played with the low, low pair defensemen, the third and fourth lines on the ice, like oh, you mean like he would take extra shifts, like as the extra sixth, shifts, as the sixth man or right. whatever, yeah. Okay. Like normally you would see your first pair defense maybe rarely out uh, out with the fourth line or with uh, yeah, yeah. Even he, you know, he was getting extra shifts playing with Luke Shen and and guys on the bottom pair. Yeah, so it was like playing Chell and putting your number one D-man on the first D-pairing and the third D-pairing. <laughs> yeah, so so Victor Hedman's put himself in pretty exclusive company here because even in the last, uh, I think, 20 years, there's been fo now four with Hedman defensemen to win the Conn Smythe. The previous three being Duncan Keith in 2015, Niedermeyer in 2007, and Lidstrom in 2002 so you're in there's three hall of famers yes absolutely right there like one two of them are in one of them will probably be first ballot yeah i mean it's impressive what he did in the playoffs i like i said i i didn't necessarily follow it to the wire but what i did do is watch the elimination games almost in their entirety uh, because I, I, I do fancy myself the level of fan that wants to see the cup awarded, especially this COVID cup. I wanted to see you want what, to what was what was it going to look like. It was you know? like relieving that it was over, that yes, they did it. 
that's awesome. And I'm sure for the NHL, even more of a relief that, yes, yeah. we got through this, and especially with zero positives. Are you surprised that they didn't decide to pipe in booze for Gary Bettman? Honestly, I was thinking that right away. <laughs> Missed opportunity for some good laughs. Some good PR. And you know what? Like, Jerry embraces it. Like, he, he's... Uh, He's made jokes about it before, right? I know. So, like, it would have been just a cool opportunity for them to throw in a couple light boos just just for the authenticity aspect. I'm telling you, man, over the years, Gary Bettman has, like, uh, he's made me a fan of his. He's definitely, for, for a guy who comes off as, like, out of touch and, like, a lawyer, obviously. Right? Awkward, but, socially. But he, he is, there's something endearing about him, you know? He does a good job. And End gotta, of story. And, and you can't question his love for the game either, right? Well, you know what, though, dude? I, I might disagree with you there, okay? He's not... I don't necessarily know if he's like this big hockey nut, you know? Okay, he was brought in in the early, mid-90s to make this league as profitable as possible. But you figure he, like, he's got to he like, immerse Ten times yourself, over. though. Like, you've really got to be all in or, or you wouldn't be able to do a good job. No, that's fair. I'm not saying he doesn't watch any games. I'm just right. saying like, I think I'm a bigger hockey fan than, than, Gary, than Gary Bettman, Bettman is. And I'm yeah. not like, that's, I'm not saying like, fuck you, Gary. I'm a fan of Gary. You I just said right. that, but he just, he seems like for a guy who you, I always thought to be out of touch and like not really in line with the fans and stuff. I think he's more, He's probably more so in line and more in touch than than people would give him credit for. Do you think that I would be able to name more NHL hockey players than Gary Bettman would? That would be an interesting challenge. It is an interesting challenge. And no one would ever take it, but I'd like to tweet that and have it run and put us on like a little bit of a timer maybe. Like you got to have a bit of a timer here. How many NHL hockey players can you name? He wouldn't take the risk of getting embarrassed by some, some idiot jerk off guy with a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then maybe he's on the podcast. Hey, we're getting big and yeah. If I beat you, you come on our show. <laughs> you come on the show exactly because you know what? Maybe we work our way up to Gary Benton. I'm not going to give away anything away here for the listeners, but we do have some pretty nice news. We got some pretty exciting news. We got uh, we got some bookings on the way. We got some bookings on bookings the way. That's all I'll way. say. Some good ones. Some good ones. Guys who played hockey previously. Former pros. Former professional hockey players. Former professional hockey players. Yeah. It's a good tweet. Yeah. Or it's <laughs> good. It's a good. Sorry. It's a good. What, did I, what was I trying to say? I'm tease sure. it. Oh, good tease. Tease it. Yeah. Holy Wrong fuck. Wrong T word. I want to take it back to Hedman for one second. Okay. Um, this was tweeted out shortly before. I think it was before game six or game five even actually. But uh, at, at this point, they said since the start of round one, uh, Victor Hedman's stats look like this. 19 games, 27-46 average time on ice, 10 goals. 27-46? Yeah, 9 assists, 148 shot attempts. And the Lightning outscored their opponents 24-6 to with him on the ice at 5-on-5. Five five. Wow. So, and he's also scored the same number of 5-on-5 five five goals as they had given up to everyone else with him on the ice. Talk about dominance, complete dominance. And you notice when he's out there, no matter who he's out there with, they're playing in the other team's end. I had a chance to draft him uh, in my fantasy pool for this playoff, and I didn't because I was just worried about getting burned on a potential injury. Who'd you take, Tyson Berry? I can't remember. No, obviously <laughs> not. I think I, I think I ultimately went Bergeron at, at that spot. Because I said I'll get another D-man later. But I just right. couldn't bring myself to draft 
Victor Hedman. It's just you know he he has what was it last was it last year, dude? He he was he he went out with the concussion before like game one or something like that, and then they got swept. Yeah, and and that could have been a, a large part of it. It was in the Why? warm-up or something, I think. There was something about Tampa, though. It just seemed like they were dialed in. Like, every time I watched them play, they were dominant. Um, they looked focused. They were really, like, um, the players pre-post-game, like, they just seemed like they were committed. They were in. They they didn't carry any baggage from that sweep last year. If anything, it may, it put the chip on their shoulder. Oh, I would say that 100%. I don't yeah. think that that's just – I don't think that that's just – Talk about taking like, a negative and, and putting a positive. Yeah, out of it, I don't right? know how to put it in words. It's not like some fairy tale ending where, oh, you have to learn to lose and all that stuff. But you do, you man. Sometimes you do. Yeah. You know, and they came out and they said it. We we were affected, but we used it. Mm-hmm. We used it, you know, yeah. and it, they didn't it, it made sit there me and smile. Cry about it. it made me smile a little bit thinking about the losses that the Leafs have gone through. Now, I'm not saying that we've lost, you know, enough here that we can just burst through and, you know, win 17 out of 18 games, 16 out of 17 games or something and win the cup. Like, but these these losses do, they do things for you. They if can. You, if, they can if you manage to, like I said, turn the negative into positive. Yeah. Is use it as motivation, um, find value in it, and apply it in the future. I mean, if there's lots of people who fuck up constantly and don't learn, but let's hope that that's not the case for the Maple Leafs. Well, we already did that before. But, we but, fucked up constantly. We never seem to fuck. We never right. seem to well, learn. Well, at least they're in the playoffs now. That's what I mean. Before well, the I fuck ups, we're not making the playoffs. We missed but, it this year, I guess. Yeah. You, technically speaking. Yes. But listen, do me a favor before we continue on here. Do me a favor and move your microphone up to so that it's like right in front of your face. Why? How, how are you liking that mic? We'll just put it up. Yeah. 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 For the listeners who can't see me, there right we now, go, dude. I'm wearing like a some kind of professional broadcasting. Yeah, you're wearing here. Audio Technica. Um, amazing. Yeah, no free ads. Oh yeah, I guess you're right, eh? <laughs> well, whatever. It's just a brand name of a headset. Like you got a nice. Uh, it's a good one. It's the same one that I use to broadcast uh, PLK games. Yeah, that you sound better, by the way. Right into it. Yeah. yeah, right okay. into her. I, I was worried about like catching up too, catching too much sound or being too loud or. Whatever. Yeah, but whatever. But, We're moving up in the world. You got a nice headset, and I'm gonna get one on the way here. Yeah, I'm lounging on the couch here. This is more of the more comfortable oh. podcasts I've ever recorded. By the way. Uh, we're in the garage again here. The garage that was supposed to be mine, but it's not mine because I guess someone with the same name as the owner is being sued or, or the owner is a criminal. Yeah. He's fucking faking the funk on you. I don't know. I don't know how that happens, but my lawyer called me today while I was on the golf course and he's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, uh, you know, I hate to break to you, but you know, the sale didn't go through. He said, I said, don't worry about it, man. Like we live here. So like, yeah. <laughs> it's so not as like your boxes stand on the porch. Yeah. To move in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So anyway, who cares? But what I was going to say to you was out here in the garage, dude, the, um, the amount of spiders out here is extraordinary. Like it's extraordinary. I, I, I pull probably three or four of them off the couches. Oh, wonderful. So just tell me that now. Just so you know, I wow. did. I cleaned them off before you said. Winter will kill them. Winter will kill them. Yeah, but are you sure? It's yeah. it's heated in here though. Yeah, well, just got to give it a cold day or two. I think every you're now not going to heat this thing twenty four seven. But the people that know me well, yeah, I will. The people that know me well, All like right, Mister Fucking Hydro Bill, they here. know that I'm like. Well, yeah, but I all I have to do is heat it up a bit, and it's well insulated. Yeah. 
Anyway, uh, people who know me well know that I do not like spiders at all. Ah. And I like to think that I am really uh, evolving in that regard. I don't mind them nearly as much. I don't kill them anymore. I usually take them and put them somewhere else. Wow. But these ones look kind of vicious, and I don't like it. Like, they're scary-looking like ones. Like wood spiders? Yeah, they're scary-looking yeah, ones. Nasty. And when I see them, I'm like, I still shiver. So I know I'm not quite over it yet. But I guess dealing with them on a daily basis is probably one of the best ways it of getting It reminds me of the old days of hanging out in the tree fort, and then you'd, like, knock a board, and a big old cocksucking wood spider come <laughs> out at you. I don't even want You'd be that. out of the fort for the day, come back with a can of Raid. I told Kirsty to come out the other night while she was going to bed. I was like, baby, you have to get out here and look at all the spiders on the wall. There was at least seven of them that were just like sitting on the wall. I guess, again, because it's insulated, so it's kind of warm, right? So they just sit on that white wall. Freaked me right out. Yeah. Anyways. Let's back get, on the ice. Yeah, let's get back I, on I the ice. I wanted to talk about Steven Stamkos. Fuck, man. How bad that guy want to play? Because he played, what, two minutes and 47 seconds. Scored. Which might, and scored. <laughs> and a set goal, too. And just seeing the elation on his face and the sally they had when he scored that goal, not to mention seeing him lift that Stanley Cup was awesome. It was awesome. He's, uh, he's a very likable guy. I mean, Tampa's a likable team in general, but Stamkos is just one of those really likable players I find that fans, hockey fans in general, are pulling for, especially considering, like, you know, he didn't make it to the Olympics that year because of his injuries. And yeah. he's battled so many shitty injuries. Had a setback in phase two. That's why he wasn't playing in this playoff. <clears throat> Despite this, still managed to put his gear on, go out for a shift, score a big goal. And then, you know, you got to think leadership behind the scenes plays a role as well if you want to give credibility to that or not. So, you know, whether or not he played, I feel, is almost irrelevant because he's such a large part of what that team is today. That team's been good for five years, aside from the one down year they missed the playoffs when everyone got hurt. Yeah, and he, sure. And he's the leader of that team. He has been their best player for several years. Maybe he's not their best player today, but you can't discount his role on that team. No, absolutely right? not. He's absolutely an integral piece, clearly. He's captain of the team. Uh, I had a few people talk to me. It was probably two or three people on different occasions were asking me if Tampa only put Stammer in the lineup so that he could get his name on the cup. And oh, I'd like to, I'd like to qualify. I'd like to clear something up here. Uh, it, it is not necessarily a black and white filed rule that must be abided by otherwise punishable by death. What is it? You have to play one playoff you're, game, right? Yeah, you're supposed to and either... 10 regular season yeah, games. Because they might, said the one guy they brought in on defense, uh, they scratched Shen for... Uh, his name escapes me. It was a Russian guy. Sure. And they said that allowed him to get his name on the cup. Yeah, but that's for that Russian guy that you can't remember his name. Right. This is Stephen Stamkos. Stephen Stamkos is on the cup. Right. It's not even a phone call. Yeah, so maybe they maybe they did get him out there. Just Yeah, but I, I, that's what I was getting at. I vehemently disagreed with those people and said no listen listen like steven stamkos is getting his name on the cup julian breezeball doesn't have to make a phone call or no one has to make a phone call to get him on right. there you, okay you figure they wouldn't have had to be he's like, on there they wouldn't be like no stammer you're not on the yeah, cup because that play. rule is for that guy you what a perfect right. fucking segue right that rule is for that guy yeah the guy you don't even remember his name yeah you're right it's it's probably doesn't apply in, in this case and like that russian guy would get a ring okay he gets a ring because he's on the team yeah but he doesn't get his name on the cup that's different now, here's the interesting question I want to throw at you. Does Stevie Y get a ring? Huh. Even though he's a GM of a, a division rival now. 
Because his fingerprints are all over that. Now, Breezeball was AGM, too. So, like, it's not like Breezeball wasn't there when Again, it happened. Again, dude, here's what I do know about rings. You get a certain amount of rings, and you can buy more. The team can pay to get more rings. You got to figure the owner, who had a very close relationship. His name escapes me, unfortunately. Um, but you got to figure, since he had a very close relationship with Stevie Y, that, that they got to have one for him. And, and if he wants it. Well, that would be it. And that's what I was getting at. So the, you can buy more rings, which means if you really feel like you want to give, you know, like the Layla ring last year. Right. From the Blues. Oh, man. That was they something. paid probably however much hundreds of thousands of dollars. Those rings are probably worth like yep. seven or 800K. Yep. They're probably worth a mil. Those no, rings, not that much. I don't know. They're probably they're a pretty, good like all the diamonds 40, and everything in there. Grand, really? Yeah. You don't think that, that you yeah. think that's all? All right, let's look it up. Anyway, who cares? Who cares? Point is, they're expensive, okay? Right. And these teams, yeah, maybe I'm thinking like Super Bowl rings. Just because, I don't know, maybe they're like more valuable or bigger or something. Who knows? Anyways, you can buy more. And if you have a great relationship with someone and you want to give them a ring, you can do that. So mm-hmm. I think you're right. A phone call over to Stevie Y. Hey, man, like, listen, we'd like to give you one. And Stevie Y goes, take it. You know, like, no thanks. I'm, I'm a Red Wing. Like, I appreciate the offer. But what, right. what, what, what would you say? If you were Stevie Y, what, what would you say? I don't know how do you much want pri- it? it depends how much pride you got. And it's not like Stevie Y is hurting for Stanley Cup rings. Listen, either. though. Yeah, good point. If but his hand you- was empty, maybe his opinion would be different. Very good point. But what do you mean by pride? Pride as in, well, like, like, I'm too I proud to accept it? I didn't or- win. I didn't win. Like him just being like, I didn't win it. Like, I, I don't win it. I'm good. I understand I had a big role in that, and that's good enough for me. People, okay. You know, I'm happy with people remembering that – I signed all those fucking awesome contracts that he your did. best players are on and, uh, you know, was there when all those, you know, amazing draft picks, uh, and we haven't got into that yet, is is what do you think played the biggest role in, in Tampa winning the Cup? And there's two things I got to think about. One being their draft record being outstanding. They had one guy, uh, was it one guy in the top ten, or two, sorry, Victor Hedman and Steven Stamkos. The rest of the guys, they were all second round and deeper picks that were part of the core, right? Yeah. We're talking, so- we're talking Braden Point in the second round. We're talking Kucherov in what, the sixth round? Palat, fifth round. Sorelli. Sorelli, Cernak, uh, Gord as a UFA, Johnson UFA. Like, talk about identifying talent and developing it correctly. And number two, bringing in Blake Como. Or Blake Coleman, sorry. Blake, <laughs> Blake Coleman. Fucked up guy's name is the same as yours. Yeah, I know, but the reason why I fucked it up, let me go on a bit of a sidebar there. There's a guy, Blake Como plays on the Dallas Stars. So Blake Como on the Stars and Blake Coleman on the Lightning. And mm-hmm. Kirstie's last name is Como. Well, I so I've said was... this to you before. We have to name our son Blake. Yeah, and I, I think <laughs> that the acquisitions that, that Breezebaugh made in the offseason and then subsequently during the uh, season in the trades, uh, you look at Blake Coleman played a big role for them. Pat Maroon, back-to-back cups, played a huge role for him. There was a goal in that game six that was Pat Maroon batting a puck out of yes. midair yeah. and feeding Coleman for the goal. That's right. Right? Um, and you who, know what, dude? Like, and then uh, they brought in Shattenkirk McDonough in the last couple of years. I didn't think Shattenkirk was going to work. And it did, man. Well, but it was such a, a, um, a low-risk bet. Uh, they got him for next to nothing, and is that's easier to do when you're a cup contender. You you guys want to play for you, especially later in the career. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, even even uh, Luke Shen played integral minutes for them in the playoffs. Yeah, their D was so fucking deep for a team that's considered to be like a fast, high flying team. I mean, you got Vasilevsky, you got 
um, a, a sixth defenseman that any t- NHL team would take in a heartbeat, I think. Apparently not Luke Shen because no one else wanted him. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, but when you're in a successful organization like that, you have an opportunity to thrive, man. Yeah, and I mean, they were throwing guys in and out of the lineup too, so they their depth really paid off. Um, for the most part, it sounded like they were pretty healthy. Um, and, and unfortunately, on the other side of the ice, the Dallas Stars, uh, a lot of people were knocking Sagan for his lack of production in the playoffs. Fuck, they announced he had a laundry list of injuries after the playoffs. I couldn't even, I can't, I can't remember what they are at the moment because they had so many. He had like five different injuries. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a long grind, especially when you're kind of cooped up in the bubble type thing. Like you don't really get an opportunity. Well, I wonder how say, much the, the guys who got hurt, how much exercise they were doing in the, the six months off. Yeah, I mean, we talked about that before the return to play, right? You were yeah. wa- you were wondering if uh, you thought you'd probably be able to pick out the guys that either didn't work out or or, or guys that had no interest in being there. And yeah. you know, we saw a few 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 players like Tukaras just kind of up and left, you know. And for some guys, it just wasn't there. And I think yeah. uh, I think that honestly, though, Lesko, I'd have to say I think that that would be a minority, though. I think right. the majority of the guys w- w- truly wanted to be there. I mean, you could see the disappointment and hear the disappointment with the lack of words. Like Jamie Ben's silence during his mm. post-game interview was deafening. When you think about how long, I mean, I've said it thousands of times on the show, when is Dallas finally going to figure it out? And it appeared as if this year they'd figured it out. And another team that looked like... Th- you know they were super strong in the back end. They had a crazy amount of points from their defensemen. Um, you know we, we could have seen it. Say they won the cup, we would have been looking at another defenseman probably winning the cup in Miro Heiskanen or winning the Con Smythe story. Yeah, he finished with twenty six points, six goals, twenty apples. Uh, absolutely incredible. They also had one of the highest amounts of points from defensemen uh, in a playoff run. Uh, you know picking up the slack for the forwards who weren't necessarily getting it done. Um, and a couple other good stories on the team. Hudobin, for example, oh. taking the reins from Ben Bishop. And, you know, he's a veteran and he's always been a strong goaltender, but really shouldering that that load that we only ever attribute to a starter, a 60-game starter can, can get you done or get you through the playoffs in such a run. Um, just to put it in perspective, again, what Heiskanen did, it, uh, his point total was the fourth most by a defenseman in a single NHL postseason in NHL history. He went undrafted in our pool. That's wild, eh? <laughs> but like, come but on, no one da- thought Dallas. Dallas, deep. you got fucking Colorado. You got Kill McCarr. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? You yeah. Got, like Vegas. Like even Theodore. Like so, the three defensemen to have more points <sighs> than than Heiskanen in, in a playoff run were Paul Coffey in '85. With thirty-seven, nice Brian name. Leach ninety-four with thirty-four points, wow. and Al McKinnis in eighty-nine with thirty-one. So in the high-scoring eighties era as well, where these guys racked up those points. Pretty good players. Pretty good players. Couple Hall of Famers there. Isn't uh, Kudobin a UFA? That uh, yeah, give me one second. I'll find that out for you. Yes, he is. So that uh, I guess we could take it over to the next big story here um, free agency is gonna be fucking crazy I hope so dude I mean for our sake we're firing up a podcast here and they're gonna feed us content <sighs> okay so he, here's the thing I've I've listened to lots of uh, you know talk radio and interviews and Sirius XM and whatnot 
and I'm I'm really hearing like one or the other. Okay, guys are either saying guys and gals are are either saying that there's going to be a ton of movement, and I can't wait. It's going to be unbelievable. And then, uh, and that's probably the majority. I'd say seventy percent. And then the other thirty percent are saying maybe even eighty twenty are saying there might not be anything because only one or two teams are going to do things because they have money, and all the other teams are going to be like shut it down. We have no money. So you might have a bunch of moves where you're getting to cap floor, but internal caps are going to be implemented. Let's go with mm-hmm. lots of teams. Lots of teams. They, they're talking lots about of this. teams have internal cap even before COVID. So we're going to have probably the majority of the league are going to have internal caps, which means there's no spending, which means there's no overpaying for mm-hmm. UFAs. So... It's just going to end up being maybe a whole lot of nothing until the fucking final minute, at which point the players and the agents are going to realize and just start the, taking discounts. The prices aren't there. Yeah, I feel I feel like the the day itself isn't going to be buck wild like it normally is. I think the overpayments are gone. And as we've talked about previously, that whole idea of the middle class getting squeezed in the NHL, the, right. the, the $4 million, $5 million players aren't aren't going to get those deals anymore. Well, now it's going to be even worse. And there's going to be a lot of guys day one who don't have jobs who probably would think should because they've either priced themselves out of it or with the cap constraints that teams are placing on themselves are just going to are, are going to make them too expensive essentially to sign. You know what else is going to be too expensive to do? Buyouts. Right. How many buyouts are we going to see? Yeah. We already saw one with the Rangers because it's MSG and they have a billion dollars. Yeah. So and, they can do whatever they want. Shout out Henrik Lundqvist. You got to figure he's not done, right? It's questionable. Yeah. Now everyone points to his numbers and decline and stuff. And he's 36 years old. Fair enough. Makes a lot of sense. But he also played in front of a pretty dismal team or behind a pretty dismal team over the past several years. Right. And, and, and also split a lot of time with some young goalies. Yeah, you know, Hank is is a tough one, dude, because it's not like he was the type of goalie that needed a defense-first, low number of shots kind of thing. Like, he was pretty active. You know, he was active goaltender. He played on the goal line. Yeah. Like, he was one of the last standing goaltenders to play deep in his net, rely on his rely on his reactions and whatnot. And that's, that's passed him by, especially on a team like the Rangers who are willingly giving up lots of scoring chances against their, their goaltenders. You need, you need young, you need quick, you need, you know, yeah. big stamina. Like, and, and Lundqvist, it, but I still think he has an opportunity to be like a, like a, a good backup or potentially a, a, a one, tandem goalie. A tandem yeah. goalie might be just fine. Yeah, you know? I think but, so but, too. But what, what are you paying for that, Lesko? I don't know, and, and I'd be interested to hear what it would cost you, but you got to figure, given the buyout scenario and, and as much money as he's made and he's still currently owed, that if, if he wants to play, that he'll sign on a good team for a reasonable deal. What's a reasonable deal? I don't know, a couple million bucks. Three? He want, I, would, he, I probably wouldn't even go that high. He wants three. In this but market, too, in this economy? That's what I mean. He's going to want three. No one's going to give it but to him. But is he really going to need three? Is that, it's either, I figure for a guy like Lundqvist, with how much money he's made and how much money he's still getting paid from the Rangers. That's I true. Mean, he was getting paid eight point something. I know. Day, I right? Know. So it's not, if he wants to play, he'll sign for what it takes for him to get on a team where he feels like he's going to have a comfortable role. You know what would be a really interesting uh, stat to have, and I'm sure you can locate it on the internet. Not right now, but it would have been a nice stat to have is the the, the players who have guaranteed money. 
which right. means they've already been paid. So like, right. I'd like to see a list of players that had signing bonuses and are therefore very, very tradable. Right, because the the real money is real money's a lot gone. Less. Yeah, and that the real money's make gone. For a, that's going to be a huge deal, sorry dude. That's going to be a huge, huge yeah. deal in this off season. How much actual money is this player owed? Oh, all of it? Never mind. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit when we hit the Leafs topic because uh, there are a couple important Leafs who are on one year left who don't aren't owed very much in real money. As we know that the Maple Leafs like to structure a lot of their deals, signing most he- signing bonus heavy. So that when it comes to moving them at late in the deal, if they want to, it's a lot easier. Um, I'm going to take it back quickly to UFA goalies, though. Okay. Uh, the goalie market is crazy right now. It is. And everyone's talking about, like, oh, uh, so-and-so might want to trade this guy, and so-and-so might, not, might want to trade this guy. Uh, the goalie market is softer than it's ever been in that the, the UFAs are incredible this year. There are lots of teams, and we've heard a lot of teams recently come out and say, yeah, we're, we're not going to sign this guy, we're not going to sign that guy because they figure they can get a better deal on someone else. So here's the list. Lundquist, Holtby, Crawford, Leonard, Anderson, Howard, Markstrom, Grice, Talbot, Kudobin, Elliott, Smith. Man. And there is a lot of 1Bs in there and a lot of starters and a lot of guys who've gone you know, from backup to starter. So if you're an NHL team and your current goalie says, I want five... I'm probably going to test that goalie market. Man, even and, then, and with that many goalies out there, you won't have to overpay, I think, either. No, you're right. And and you can even throw Aiden Hill in there. Aiden Hill. Well, hey man, he he played great for the Coyotes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, when that little He, he went on a heater. And there's a, there's another team right there, the Coyotes. Uh, there's talk of Ranta and uh, Kempfer being on the block. I mean, they've got they've got a good problem. The Coyotes do uh, in in the net. I mean, I know Kemp, you listed Kempfer there on that on that list, correct? Uh, no, I did not. No, okay, then he then he's moving into the final year of, of his deal as well. Right. So I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, they they've got a good problem going, I guess, with with some options, and there's going to be lots of teams looking for goaltending. Let's go. I mean, yeah, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of movement. What are we going to do? Yeah, that's that's a pretty interesting question. It is, and uh, it's a perfect time to get into because we're talking free agents, and obviously we want to get into Petrangelo as well. Oh goodness! But um, yeah, for, there's been a lot of talk about what the Leafs should do about Freddie Anderson, and just to circle back on our previous discussion. He is someone who's owed, I believe, about $1.5 million in real salary. Actual. Or in actual salary. Because wow. it's the final year of his deal. Now, there's something to be said. You look at the numbers overall. Freddie Anderson's been a top five goalie over probably the, his, his tenure with the Maple Leafs. Yeah, in the regular statistically. season. Statistically. So, it's a tough decision for the Maple Leafs right now. If they know they're going to walk away from him in a year, the issue with that is they don't have a backup plan. Now, looking at the list of goalies, could a backup plan emerge? Absolutely. But if they're going to do something now, you figure he's being traded. They didn't just trade and sign uh, or trade for Jack Campbell on an affordable term to to turf him because they want to pick someone at a free agency and roll the dice. Yeah. So, what do you do with Freddie? Like, I I am torn because I'm such he and and there's no denying this. He's been the best Maple Leafs goaltender in 15 years since Eddie Belfour. We all know that. So I think that makes it particularly hard for us to let him go. We're going to lose him for nothing. 
that's the thing. If you're going to lose him for nothing and you and you want, say, Jack Campbell to play a larger role and want to go with a tandem, and and there's something to be said for the tandems because it, it's worked out pretty well for a lot of teams. Now, on the other side of that coin, though, Andre Vasilevsky played every minute of every game in that cup final. But there's not too many Vasileskis in the league right now. What if Freddie... There could be one coming in. Askarov could be coming in. Yes. Because you know what? Vasilevsky is a first-round draft pick that just won a Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we can poo-poo on uh, you know spending a high pick. Like, what was Vasilevsky? He was in the top 10 or 12, I feel. Top 20, I believe. Top 20? Okay, yeah. good enough. Whatever. Um, you know, you pick Askarov, you reach up a little bit, 11-12. I don't know if he's available for us. That's the thing is that there's a lot of teams who are kicking tires on him. Even Ottawa was talking about taking him high. But what's the problem? Like, what? So if you if you're if you're, I think Carolina's at ten or something like that. Let's just say they are. If you're, you yeah. know, if you're somewhere there, and you uh, say, ah, we can't take him in the top ten, so we'll go somewhere else, and then he goes fourteenth. Uh, yeah. What's the difference there? And then he turns out to be a Vasilevsky. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm hearing a lot of comparisons to Carey Price, for example. Franchise just, goalie Just is what in you that hear. franchise goalie. Yeah. And they talked about uh, some of the high-picked goalies. Uh, it was Craig Button the other day was referring to some of the other high-picked goalies in the last two drafts. He's like, he is head and shoulders better than any of those guys. Well, we saw him at the World Juniors. It was incredible. Yeah, and, and when he, had he got pulled a game or whatever. Times. Yeah, 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 true. But, I mean, he's, he's doing really well in the K right now, and if, if what they say is true, like, you got to figure the Leafs take a hard, are taking a hard look at him right now. If he's now. available, take him. Yeah, you got to figure that. Drop think, the goalie for the future. I think the challenge for, for all the teams, though, is that this being such a deep draft that they – you know, they miss on a, a great player and, and goalies are such a crapshoot, right? Well, you, I know when teams are confident in their ability to acquire the right goaltender for the team through other avenues, whether right. it be UFA or, you know, something, right? You, yeah. you, you can you can find them elsewhere, get them up through the minors, sign them from overseas. But, but these franchise elite level goaltenders don't happen very often. No, and if you're don't. the team that snags them up, then look out, you know, because, yeah. because listen, you can be the best team in the world, but if you have a bad goalie, it's over. Yeah. Like yeah, it, it'd be like being the best baseball team ever. The pitcher. catcher can't catch a ball. Or they can't catch. Yeah. Exactly. Or pitcher. Fine. But I, I thought catcher would be make more sense. Cause you're just not, ca everything's going to the backstop. Yeah. The guys are just going around like wild pitches. Holy and... fuck. You know? Anyway, I wanted to ask you, dude, what if Freddie wanted to sign an extension at the same dollar for like, you know, maybe five years at the same dollar? Five five five. That's if he agrees to do five five on a or 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 like six times six times two, like a little little bit of a, a bridge ish. Like how old is he? He's getting uh, he's up there. Almost thirty. See, believe, like yeah. You know, he, he this could be where he hits it big, but he's not going to hit it big because of COVID. He's not going to hit it big because of COVID. He's not going to hit it big because of flat cap. He's not going to hit it big because so no, there's not more money you know, for him to be made elsewhere. There's probably. not. Right. There's not. And why wouldn't he want to stay on a fucking sick ass team like the Leafs? You know. But I'm asking you if we even want him back. I'm telling you. I don't know. Well, I, the, I don't know the answer to that question. There's. Bro. I, I think based on his overall body of work. It's hard to say no. It's it hard is. to say no. The only knock, and, and and we've talked about this before, is that the untimely bad goals in the playoffs. He had a bit of a rough year this season. I mean, you could attribute the Leafs' overall seeding a lot on poor goaltending. Not all that can be put on Michael Hutchinson. Like sometimes, I 
you know, sometimes I trip uh, going up the stairs or going down the stairs on the last stair or something. But maybe don't make that mistake when there's 111 stairs in a row. You know, that's when he trips over the step. Right. Is when you're on the CN Tower. Yeah. And you're fucking falling down to the goddamn bottom. Yeah. I think what's going to tell the story, and it might be told based on what the Leafs do come free agency, is that we might see them spend the money and go, uh-oh, they got to shed cap. Because that's, the, I think, honestly, that's the main reason I can see them moving on from them, is they go with a cheaper, uh, you know, say $4 million goalie, $3 million goalie, because we're at that point with the Maple Leafs. $1 million, $1.5 million in cap hit is a lot for them right now. Yeah, but how the hell are we going to have, we need a goalie. I just mean they, <laughs> they they trade them, they sign someone else, and they and they also use the extra cap space to spend on defense. I know, but I'm, that's what I'm asking you. Who the hell is going to play goalie for what whatever you just said, three or four mil? One of those eight or twelve free agents I just rhymed off. I mean, I guess you're right though, because it's it's going to be musical chairs, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. We're going to see more change in the goaltending in the crease around the NHL than we've probably seen that in recent memory and like what if it's there like how many look back at your list dude look back at your list and tell me how many of those goalies you would rather have right now than fred i want you to look at them deeply like can i look at them too are they on the fucking prep yeah no they're not but look at that list and tell me there's honestly not one that i trust probably more than frederick anderson lungfist no the only one is maybe the only one is maybe Markstrom, but he's going to cost a fortune. No, Markstrom's out of the question. We wouldn't be able to afford him. Exactly. He's going, to, he's going to command probably six or seven mil. Holtby might be subject to musical chairs. Crawford, he will be. Leonard won't be. Leonard's getting a position. Anderson, he... Okay, so how many is on the list? So that's... Uh, what did I say? Leonard's getting a position. Holtby's going to get one. Uh, Craig Anderson's not. I mean, he might, right? I'm not saying he's out of the NHL, Lesko, but I don't want him. I don't want Jimmy Howard. Markstrom, you're right, but he's way too expensive. Thomas Grice, there's an interesting one. Right. That is he can an, play in a tandem. He can play in a tandem. Sorry, how many? I'm not through the list yet. Because if wanna, you look at it, it's not maybe a matter Thomas of who Grace you was trust there. more than, than Freddie. It's who do you think can okay. play a successful tandem with Jack Campbell. Kudobin I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elliot, no. And Smith, no. And Talbot, no as well. So realistically, like Grice pops out of the page. I actually looked. That's okay. You can put it away. Thanks, dude. I actually looked at Kudobin's uh, cap friendly just to see. And he... Signed a two-year, five million dollar contract. Okay, and it's it's half guaranteed. So Kudobin is also one of those pieces that is like insanely valuable because his cap hit is only two point five, and he's already been paid half of his contract. So his his base salary is two five, and his cap hit is two five. But it's supposed to be. Like I guess it's supposed to be more than that, but he's already been paid. Like he's already, he had guaranteed funds, so to ship him out is fuck all. Yeah, and, and that's what you just said about Freddie as well, right? Right. Freddie's got uh, guaranteed salary, so I'm not saying we have to ship him out. And I hate having this conversation. I think we had this conversation earlier in in the year. We did talk podcast, about it briefly, and, I and like then it. I remember I didn't like it either because I like Freddie. Exactly. I'm a huge fan. It's Fuck. it's difficult to talk about, but it was it was interesting because after we did our last show, it was the decompression after the Leafs came out uh, of the playoff and. It, the, the, that wasn't the hottest topic immediately. Immediately, it was like, well, somebody got the core, somebody from the core might have to go. And, oh, I was heated up about which Fred. Would be, which you would got be mad dumb. at me. And, and, and 
but afterwards, the stories and the chatter about Fred, about how much it makes sense and if you're going to find cap dollars. And, and it pr- probably out of, say, um, in terms of sacrificing cap and getting re- and having replaceability, it might be the easiest, given the current crop of goalies available. Why don't we just because trade him y- for Kudobin? You're not going to trade Nylander to make fucking cap space. You're not going to trade Riley or fucking Ma- uh, Marner. No. Like, we're not trading any of those guys to free up Cassie Hyman, any of those guys. No. Right? So, <laughs> so the goalie just seems like the, the easiest option. And it's, only the, it's almost the only option. Really? Like, and, and, and Freddie, I would argue, is, is part of that core. But, but he's probably the most expendable. And given the fact that he's the only one with one year left on his deal. And given the fact that he has fucked the dog in really important points. It's like the Kadri thing. Yes, we would love to have Kadri. Right. Yes, Kadri is a great fucking player. But Kadri fucked himself. Yeah, he fucked us and he fucked himself. You know, and Freddie's great and I love Freddie and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's all relatable to Kadri. You fucked yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And... I'm not blaming it all on him. I don't want to get this. I don't want to no, come back not, to this again because I already got mad at Freddie and you we're got not. mad at me and it was warranted because I didn't like doing it. But I mean, but even I, now I, that I don't, the dust has settled, you can see the logic. Yes, in that even now the dust has settled, and I'm not knee jerk territory here. Yeah, we're not just pissed at him anymore. We're looking at the business side of the. the I don't game, see really. how I don't see how we don't trade Freddie. It just depends at who. They bring in in free agency because if they need the cap space, like I said, it's probably the best place to find it. Trade him to Dallas. Though they owe they owe Ben Bishop some money, though. Well, I know, but I, I don't know. Can you trade him to Dallas and retain like a mill or something, and then bring Kudobin in, and you're still saving a mill? Yeah, you gotta <laughs> or, fit. or make it work with some other with some other players. Yeah. Make a make it a package deal. But could uh, Udobin might have priced himself out of the Maple Leafs picture as well? Yeah, but he's still locked in for another year at oh, two point five. Right. That's so we right, get him yeah. next year for two point five. We save half of Freddie's contract, depending on what else, what other monies go in and out. Dallas, I don't think is a team that, even though they went this far, Lesko, I don't see Dallas as a team that's going to open up their pocketbooks during COVID. I don't. Now the other big off-season story in terms of free agency surrounding the Maple Leafs is this crazy, I believe, mostly fan and subsequently media-driven story that there is some semblance of chance that Alex Petrangelo could be possibly a Maple Leaf come free agency. I think he will be. Wow. I do. I have I have battled with myself over. That's why when you brought so his tell name me up why earlier, I'm very curious because I'm gonna I'm gonna fully be on the opposite of this. So well, you don't think he's coming? No, absolutely okay. not. Do you think he's staying? Yes. You think it's a media ploy or something like to get like the Dowdy thing where Toronto no, was talked about? I think he's driving up his value and, and forcing Dallas to pay what he wants to be paid. You mean St. Louis? Sorry, St. Louis. That's fine, but like the problem is, dude, is they don't have it. They, and you know what the weirdest part about that is? Part of the reason they don't have it is because they traded for and then signed Justin, Justin Falk to Falk. a ridiculous contract. A ridiculous contract. Now, the negotiations... But, you, okay, you, I'll let you go because you're going to no, no, go ask me why. You, so yeah, I'm going to so give you the why, why here. They, a, they don't have it. B, if you want to argue that they can make room for it, much the same that the Leafs, if he becomes available and they talk to him and it all goes well, yeah, he can agree to a contract, but they still they still are going to have to make moves prior to. 
or I guess you can go 10% over the over the cap in the off season. So maybe they can put pen to paper and then now now they're forced to make moves. Right. That's a worse strategy because the team that you're making a move with isn't going to be as likely to make the move with you when you must make it. Yeah, you're, versus you're, you're the paying other way. for the trade. Yeah, so you want to make the move, I think, beforehand. So if anything, you want to have a deal in place with AP. Which they did then. trade Jake Allen to clear up some space. Yeah, fair enough, I guess. Uh, but anyways, okay, so the why. They don't have it. Uh, the negotiations, as far as everyone is concerned and aware soured like to a to a disappointing level where mm. Petrangelo is quoted himself as saying how disappointing he feels that it is mm-hmm. I mean I don't know dude if a guy like that who just won the cup um you know Canadian boy captain of the team I don't know if that guy has it in him to deceive um you know not only the general public but you know his 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 fellow colleagues mm-hmm. in sense of the players and the and the staffs right. i think that was genuine i think he's i think he was fed up with how it was going mm-hmm. and got a little side uh blindsided by the falk deal so you think he's going to free agency being like i'm going somewhere i think he's going to free agency saying i want to see how much i'm worth and I want to see how much the Leafs can offer me. I think those are his two actual questions right. because he just won the cup. Now he has a chance to go home. He can be at home in this. I think that this COVID thing works for the Leafs <laughs> because now if he signs with the Leafs, let's say in October, he gets to move his family back home to Toronto. He's on this side of the border for COVID reasons and all this bullshit. He's out of the States where it's going complete fucking disaster. We can talk about the debate if we have time, you know, it's a disaster. Like it's, it's, it's strange. And if the Leafs can be in a ballpark for him and he can literally see himself as the last piece of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Now, and if he's able to insert into their let's go, we're not talking about a team with 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 if like um with significant holes anymore. Well, the except for the the holes that are a result of signing Petrangelo. Yeah, but what bottom six? So. We talked about how the main. Who cares? We need. We talked. Well, we talked very much about how they did not have the depth to compete. No, but they didn't have the depth to compete against Columbus because Columbus shut everyone down. Right, but okay, you're going to need the depth. I mean, look at the teams that went deep in the playoffs. They had depth. Their bottom six and uh, scored goals. Oh no! Oh, oh, listen, I know. Like, I know that you're not gonna gonna go all the way without the depth. Yeah. But what I'm saying though is, when you can assemble a team like the Leafs have, and add a player like Petrangelo while losing bottom six players, you do that all day long, and then you pray to God that some of your guys can fill that in those spots. That your lead men contracts yeah. come up big for you. And then you go all the way. It's an interesting you know, gamble. And, and, and I'm sorry, Lesko, but if they don't, if that doesn't happen, then I bet you you still had a really fucking great team, and you probably had some levels of playoff success, but your your bottom six didn't do anything in the second round, and you got ousted. Yeah. Or something like that. But you have the guy like Petrangelo, who is another veteran 
rock like another captain of a team if if he leaves he will be another former captain on the team you know leading this core and you, like there's just no way that you look at the team and the management you know right from ownership down there's no way that you look at the team now and think any less than you know this is an ideal place for me to to be mm -hmm. and if he lets that thought cross his mind He's coming. And Tavares let that thought cross his mind, and he came. Mm -hmm. I think Stamkos never let that thought cross his mind because the Leafs sucked when he was a UFA. Right. So I, I, I'm glad you brought up Stammer because I think it's similar. Stammer used his leverage to get, you know— Every cent he could, which I don't think was much more from going to free agency because I think Stevie Y said, this is what you're getting, this is what we're paying, that's all you're getting. Now, St. Louis could be playing a similar game, but I feel like Petrangelo is playing a similar game too. Yeah, I'll go to market. I'll drive up my cost. I'll make them pay what I want because from what I've heard, he's asking for Yossi money, 9.2 in and around there. Apparently, St. Louis has offered anywhere from 8 to 8.5. That's not a large gap you figure they're going to bridge that gap. So that's reason one, I think he's staying. Reason two, he's comfortable. His wife's from St. Louis. He's got children there, so on and so forth. Number three, if I'm the Maple Leafs right now, and we, we always stress the amount of uh, emphasis they place on proper cap management, aren't, isn't $8 million a year better spent on four players or three players than on one? Especially given the amount of holes that they have, like I said, in the bottom six and on the right side. To that question, I I disagree. I say no, it's not. Okay. I mean, now, hindsight would be amazing because let's see who we sign and let's see what they do, okay? But that doesn't exist. You either get them or you don't. And if you get them, then you're not getting those other guys. If you don't get them, then maybe you are getting those other guys. So we're only ever going to see one result. But for me, Lesko, as you asked the question, I say no definitively because of who Alex Petrangelo is and what he brings. If we're talking about someone else, then maybe I don't maybe I don't think that. Right. But, but th this is this is high end. We're talking. This here. is what we need. This yeah. is literally the, the the piece that that we need, and we should be and we should be desperate. Yeah. I mean, how often to does a top pairing right-handed defenseman cornerstone I, probably the the fringes of his prime? We'll say becomes available. And I, I think the other aspect of it, I mean, so they've got Tavares signed to what? He's like 36, 35. Yeah. Do you worry about that, uh, giving that similar kind of term to a, a defenseman who plays 30 minutes a night? So I'm glad you brought up term because I, I do think that that is another... Um, like Leafs advantage and that yes. they bonus bonus yeah. late in it. So not not that not that the Blues don't have that advantage. Let's remember the Blues just won the Stanley Cup. You know, so there's they're obviously going to be a very profitable organization. But at the same time, we don't know how loose the purse strings are for the owners of the St. Louis Blues at, at this, this point time. in time. At in this, this point economy? in time, in this economy, after they have just won the championship. And now the owner is being told that apparently, uh, you know, because of this Justin Falk signing that I never even approved of or heard about was happening, we can't sign our captain. Yeah. And our captain is upset. And now I'm going to call him and try and figure it out. And then we can't figure it out. And before you know it, he's gone. So what I'm getting at is a cap, not a cap, sorry, a financial constraint of any magnitude 
works so heavily in the Leafs' favor because they are, I'm telling you right now, the Leafs are carte blanche when it comes to Alex Petrangelo. If you have to guarantee his entire salary in a big fat check with seven commas in it, then fucking do it. Right. And then put him on the AAV that works, give the fucking paperwork over to Brandon Pridham and let him go on his typewriter and we will figure it out and we will ice a team that has Alex Petrangelo on the back end. See, my hope is that um, it can happen. I, I've been more, and I, maybe I'm just trying to be a realist and not trying to get real excited about it because I'm more like, I've been more looking at like who are reasonable right-hand defenseman signings that the guys, these guys can get. I'm looking at guys like Dylan DeMello, for example, Mr. Coach's Porn, uh, felt f- favorite of the show there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and Mr. Paul Maurice had nothing but high praise for such a guy. I'm looking at guys like that, guys who, who with a well-rounded game who are not going to cost you more than $4 bucks. you know, like... Y- I just think there's more. I, it depends. Like I'm, I guess I'm not a uh, a GM or a fucking hockey statistician that could tell you that signing these two defensemen and a forward outweighs the potential benefit of an Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, and you see, if you're going to moneyball it, and I've made reference to moneyball lots with you know Dubis and and Pridham, right? right. If you're going to moneyball it, then then yes, I, I think I think it's definitely better off. Let's say even if you looked at it in the long term, or you know points accumulated versus you know expected goals and all this bullshit, it's probably better if you crunch the numbers. The ticket will shoot out and tell you to take the two mm-hmm. or take the three. But the, the, it's just the the analytics and the the computer system doesn't have the ability to comprehend the emotion and like the what intangibles the that intangibles such a like, like that brings what that player brings to the organization and I, I, just the fact that he knows it you know what I mean well, it's, it's 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 not a question dude it's not like a question where geez, man, would I ever like to go home? I think I've won the cup. I've made lots of money. I can probably just go home, you know? That'd be really fun, but is it going to be fun? The answer is yes, man. Look at this team. How can you not be excited to go back into your end, get the puck, and fucking try and get it to these boys? And watch them get going and have a power play with this guy and that guy. Who the fuck do I pass it to? I mean, those guys who played in those low-pressure markets all the time, I think have that bit, bit of hesitation when it comes to coming... To Toronto, I mean, uh, it's it's you know as you, you can say whether disagree whether this is accurate, but you know it's been said this is where players go to die sometimes. I don't not, know, man. Not to say that he would buckle and, and he's played at the highest levels and and performed admirably in the in, at the highest levels, whether it's the Olympics, World Championships, Stanley Cup Finals. But I think what's going to tell us the story is if he signs for less than what the Blues offered, it'll show you that he, that he was motivated the whole time to go somewhere else and maybe like was most favoring the Maple Leafs. Well, I don't think it'll be less. I, I, I'm not sure. You probably have seen more articles If we're going to get into the math here... You, sorry, you told me that the St. Louis offer was 8 and 8, 5. I didn't see that high. See, I, I saw there. I had saw it at it like the 7 like, or 7, 5, yeah. and I remember thinking that is that is pretty low. Like the guy needs at least 8. Like he needs right. at least 8. Right. Even in this strapped world that we're in. But we don't know that, Lesko. We just keep saying these numbers. Well, because we're thinking of the old NHL. 
yeah. tell. We don't know what the market's going to tolerate. And and for all we know, he goes out today one of free agency, and everyone's like, yeah, we can give you seven. We can give you seven and a half, like similar numbers to what he's offering or lower numbers than what he's being offered. Duvis and Shane are going to be like, listen, bro, we can only give you an AAV of three mil, but we're going to bring your Noni in and she's going to fucking cook everyone food and we're going to pay her to be our fucking nutritional no, advisor. This is when you Ten like, mil a year for your we'll, Nona. We'll meet you down at the the, the Eaton Center there and, and we'll drop off. A, there'll be a, ca- a briefcase in a unmarked. Uh, blue van, you just go grab that and it's all yours. You can but, keep the van. But let me ask you again, like I and let me let me tell you this, dude. I really do appreciate your position as the realist, okay? I do, because I as much as I like to claim that I, I, I am unbiased and I just have a general love and knowledge of the game, you know, I I can't help myself sometimes. Yeah. You know? And like so the, you've been you're caught in the hype, is what you're saying. I'm not caught in the hype because originally I said I said there's just no way. I said there's no way, and the reason why I said no way is because he was just going to sign with St. Louis. Okay, players like that don't become available, and if he becomes available, I think it's a, a slam dunk home run. He's coming home if he is available. If it's market. It's the Leafs. Right. If it's St. Louis, then it's St. Louis. That's, I guess that's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he's definitely coming home, but I think if he is going to market, there's only one team that he's going to go mm-hmm. to. I don't think he's going to go elsewhere. I don't think he's going to go to Vegas right now. Right. And you got to figure uh, every team is going to inquire. I mean, you, you wouldn't be doing your job if you didn't. Um, I, what I'd be really interested to see as well is what kind of maneuverings the Maple Leafs would have to do to make it work. And you got to figure it starts with, you know, Andreas Johnson, unfortunately selling low, getting rid of him. Um, I, it, I, I don't see if they make any shedding from the back end and it could be a Freddie Anderson situation. Like we talked about earlier. Uh, we've already seen a cap casualty of the Maple Leafs already this summer in Kasperi Kapanen getting traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins backward to the team that drafted him. And I mean, how about a trade? I mean, that was, I, I mean, Leaf fans were fucking stoked on that. And Huge trade. Penguins fans were pissed. Huge trade. I, I can't believe they got a first rounder and not just a first rounder, but that high of a first rounder for Kasperi. What, what ultimately happened there, and I'd love to know if Dubas had a thought in his mind, like back when he dealt Marlowe and the pick. I wonder if he said, listen, I'm going to recoup it somehow. I have if a plan. If I have to, I'll, I'll if go. If I have and- to, we can recoup it. Because basically what ended up happening, if you wrap everything up in a little bow, what happened is we traded Kapanen. We earned 3.2 mil, I think, or something. Yeah, something like that. We traded Kapanen. We got 3.2 mil in cap space, and we moved down two spots in the draft. Because our first is the 13th pick. And right. we acquired the fifteenth. So earlier, such a when, good bailout. So out. earlier, when I mentioned Carolina at ten, I think I was incorrect because we gave yeah. them ours and they're at thirteen. Maybe they're also at ten. I don't know. I'd like to fact check that. But anyway, yeah, we moved down two spots in the draft, cleared three point two million, and lost a, a middle six winger who didn't really do much for us. To be completely honest with you, I love Cap, love his speed and his penalty kill, penalty killing and all that. But let's go. I, I just don't think he was cut out to be a, a long term guy here. I don't think he was cut out to be a long-term dude here. No, and 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 what it goes, what it sounds like it boiled down to is that it was not just the lack of on-ice production this season and kind of that disappointing 
aspect of his game when we talked about it before is that fuck this guy's got so many of the tools but just doesn't seem to doesn't seem to get it like you, he's had they give him every opportunity this season to play in the top six and it did not work it didn't work with Matthews it didn't work with Taveras and he was relegated to the third line for the majority of the season after that I think being dealt away from the team that drafted you is a, a, a wake-up call I think being traded back to the team that drafted you is maybe even a bigger wake-up call in the sense that if he went to a different team, he's now a journeyman early in his career. Nobody yeah, 23. Wants, nobody wants to be a journeyman early in yeah, your career. Yeah, you don't want to be So he around. goes from Pittsburgh to Toronto. Oh, man, the team that drafted me, I, I promised them you know, in the interviews that I was going to give everything I had, and then they chose me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm gone from them. Jeez, that sucks. Okay. Now I hear, hear him out with the Leafs. Oh my God. What an organization got caught up in the mix, caught up on the Snapchat, Yeah, caught up on the Insta, Dana you know, right. I, I'm not even kidding, dude. Like that's what happened. And, no, now, and now he's back to Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh knows him. And you're back to being a basic nobody. Well, you're, you're, you're going to be playing you're with somebody uh, in Toronto. You're fucking nobody. In Pittsburgh. He's either going to play with Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin. For as long as that works. Yeah, you're right. Fair enough. He but given the fact that friggin' Buzz Flibbit and fucking whoever, Mark Donk and Teddy get Bluger. Six, 60 points playing on Sid's Teddy wing. Like you figure, how can it not work? And, and if I'm Rutherford, who is probably the ballsiest, G, ballsiest GM in the NHL today, it's a pretty solid bet for him. Yeah, I, 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 listen, I don't know if I'd be upset about it if I was Pittsburgh. In this deep draft, I think okay. they were mad that it was the first and and Hollander, the prospect. Because yeah, Holl- he was one of their top three or top four prospects. Yeah, Hollander it was high on their list, so mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that up as well when I said this is what this was the trade because, but I didn't want to make it sound like I was just stroking Dubis off over here. But to be completely honest with you, the major components of the trade were freeing up cap space, losing Kapanen, but acquiring the pick, and we only moved down two spots. We didn't know that we were going to do that last goal. We thought we were going to win. We thought we were going to move, not win the cup, but we thought we were going to move past, like get into the fucking playoffs and maybe win around in this COVID Well, I'm cup. sure they like, had had higher hopes didn't. for Cappy, too. They probably, you know, I mean, they, they've, like I said, though, they've given every opportunity. It just hasn't worked out for him and this team. No. So, uh, anyways, um, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't even know where where we're rolling next. We've been on an hour and ten, eh? Yeah, that's not too bad, eh? I like it. So uh, welcome back, by the way, bro. Yeah, it's welcome nice back. to be. It's nice to be back doing this again. Like we went too long without recording. Even the other Pucks in Deep podcasts were releasing episodes, bro. Yeah, you're welcome for the free press, there, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's another one. Then they're gonna throw it on. No, there's not. Like, no, there's not. Um, Junior. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a fascinating offseason for the Leafs, like probably one of the more intense and interesting ones in recent memory, because I just got to figure, knowing Dubas, knowing the window that they feel they have with um, you know the boys on long-term contracts, the core on long-term deals, that they got to make hay while the sun is shining. So I don't see them being complacent and rolling out a similar lineup or in a weaker on paper lineup because I've seen these propositions out there because of every armchair GM that I follow on Twitter has got their fucking two cents about Petrangelo coming here or whatever, but I've seen there He's a coming. lot of hypothetical lineups that are essentially thrusting. Lil- I've seen someone post a hypothetical decor with Lilligren on the top right pairing. <laughs> I, yeah, that's what I said. Ha <laughs> ha. I laughed. I was like, 
everyone's like, well, everyone's given up on Logan early. I was the guy played fucking a dozen NHL games and was pretty bad at most of them. Let's not pencil him in the lineup quite yet. Listen, dude, I'm leaning more towards bust on Lily. I don't want to say bust because he's just developing. He could be developing slower, and he has lots of promise. And listen, I hate but to throw that not, word around. He might not be top six. We, I think when they draft him, they projected top six. We might be talking bottom four, if anything. Press box. Top four, yeah. So, you know, but 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 capable press box right. though, like not Marty Marinson press box. Right, right. But just some of the hypothetical Leafs decors I've seen put out there are basically no changes, graduating guys who can barely play. I even saw somebody hypothetically trade Muzzin to free up cap space and had Sandine on the second pairing with Hull. Well, I can tell that, you, Sandine. I'm I sorry, think is, but if you're trying to co- fucking compete and make it fucking in the playoffs, you're not fucking rolling that. Because so there's one thing we learned about Justin Hall when Jake Muzzin was injured is that Justin Hall is a completely different defenseman without Jake Muzzin. Yeah, you're right. Um, so were you saying these hypothetical lineups were like trying, just, trying to fit Petrangelo in? Basically, trying to fit Petrangelo in with signing no one else essentially on the back end. Which could be the case if they ha- if they end up signing him. I think Petro's I think Petro's going to take a pay cut to play here. That's how far I'm going with it. I think Fuck. I think he's I think he's going to just. I think that might be here. the only way the Leafs do it. Do it. They and, they fail him out and figure out if he wants to be there and then lowball him accordingly. Let me tell you, and I don't even think it's going to be like a lowball scenario. Let me tell you one of the main reasons, probably the only reason why I think he would take a pay cut to come here, the meeting. Like, if he gets into a room with the boys, I think it's over. Like, I think I don't think any team could offer him enough money to say no to what he just experienced right. with Dubas, with Sheldon, with mm-hmm. Shanny. I mean, it's just going to be one of those moments where he's there, they're wearing their Leaf stuff, and they're like, listen, bro, we want you to come home. We think that you want to come home too. Yeah. Let's not fuck each other around here. Thumbs up our asses, throwing down fucking papers back and forth with numbers. Literally, we've already done this, and this is the absolute most that we can pay you, and here's our lineup if we do it. Mm -hmm. And here's another scenario where we underpay you. Wink, wink. And here's what we think we can do. And here's our lineup if we underpay you slightly. As you can see, lineup number two is much, much better. And we believe that we can make that happen, but we cannot go any higher than that. And then then he'll have to make a decision. And I believe his decision coming off a cup is going to be, let's go, boys. Give me the shirt. There's two things that are going to be the determining factor. And it's, is he in it for, for money? Is he going to free agency for money? Because if so, I feel like he's just trying to get the Blues to pay up and he's staying there. If he's in there for a change of scenery and he's actually soured on the Blues and, like you said, bad negotiations and his actually his agency, Newport Sports, has a horrible negotiating uh, uh, track record Their history, with yeah. the St. Louis Blues. Um, Interesting. I think if it, it ends up being more of like, I'm actually looking for a change of scenery, he might be more open to... Uh, taking a pay cut to go to a team that he wants to play for and a winning team, like a team that's, you know, in, in position to win. He's not going to go somewhere where they're not in a position to win. And I, and I'm not necessarily sitting here saying that the Leafs are in a position to win, but God damn it. If we have Petrangelo on the team, I think it's safe to put them in that category. 
Yeah. They, and I know you're right about, you know, you, if we put him in the team. You've convinced me a little bit that it's more likely. And the other, there was one other factor that, that leads me to believe that I know that they're going to take a run at him and at least try and see. And, 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 and they wouldn't do it unless they knew that they could do it and would be a sustainable plan. Is that just because of what Dubas pulled off with Taveras? That's what I'm saying, bro. Is that, is that what builds the faith a little bit? Yes, and we did that with Babcock in the room. So Babcock being in the room was a big deal for Taveras. He was on record as saying, like, you know, the, the presentation blew, absolutely blew me away. And I do believe John Taveras when he says that it was extremely difficult. It put him in anguish to have to make this decision. Mm-hmm. But he made it. And I think a large part of him making that decision was our presentation. And, and just, I don't know if, if, if you know the player, if you're able to pull on heartstrings or if they did some sort of sneaky, oh, hardcore you know, intel. Yeah, like, hardcore. Like, but if they did some sort of like sneaky CSI, yeah, they're going shit. fucking inspector gadget. Yeah, getting to all see, the like, intel what, here. what can we do to really get him going? Talk to his wife, talk to his friends. Yeah. What can we do to get him here? You know, cause everyone wants to get him here. You know that everyone is texting him and telling him to fucking come home. It's going to be just like Taveras and another team. Mm-hmm. The sharks offered Taveras more money. And he said, no, thanks. I'm getting lots of money to play here. And I want to play here. Yeah. Okay. It's going to happen again because the Vegas Golden Knights are going to offer him a mm-hmm. more money than we are, but he's going to say, no, thanks. I'm getting a lot of money and I'm going to play yeah. here. And Tavares I, I, did that without a cup. This guy's got a cup. Like yeah, last, it, you know, he's got a cup in the last five minutes. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. Like, I, like I said, it's going to be a crazy off season because the, the, the economy has changed. The market for these players has changed. There's a lot of appealing free agents, which we're not going to spend time on today, unfortunately, just because we're caught up in Petro and goalies and all that. But, man, it's going to be a very exciting next couple of weeks with the draft, and I expect to see a flurry of activity. And one thing that we haven't mentioned that will lead to some trade activity is the upcoming Seattle expansion. Teams are already have to factor that into every decision they make. Absolutely. And That's going to start so now. I'll throw in one more damper on this Petrangelo thing. Okay. Can they really afford to pay another guy that much fucking money? Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah. So well, I want to throw one other hypothetical at you. I saw someone pencil in a fourth line for the Maple Leafs that really intrigued me. And it was Jason Spezza. Yes. Joe Thornton. Yes. And Corey Perry. Yes. The slowest but grittiest, most veteran-laden, Hall of Fame potential fucking fourth line in league Man, history. In, in, and in league like history. You, you, would just, you would just get I a like semi-chub just from watching those guys line up together. <laughs> Even if they just looked like dog shit out there, you'd just be happy because you're like, these guys are... You just like look at Corey Perry, man. People were ready to laugh him out of the NHL. A f- former MVP, forty goal scorer, uh, Richard winner, couple wins and away. He scored what six goals all year and five in the playoffs. Like played a pretty integral role for Dallas and a huge and, goal. In the and, finals. and I'm sorry, we gave we sat there and stroked off Tampa Bay about their acquisitions, but talk about Dallas as well. Joe Pavelski had a terrible regular season. He had more goals in the postseason this year than he did in the regular season. I know, Huge isn't that crazy? That That's just, crazy. Just a clutch, clutch player. And it's those kind of guys who take you deep. And Jason Spezza gave us a little bit of a taste of that, of what he was willing to do for the Maple Leafs to help them win a hockey game. I, You know, Jason Spezza is another example of, I guess it kind of all rolls together with 
me loving the team so much and me just wanting these great players to come and sign here. So I'm trying right. to like put it out in the universe. But but Jason Spezza is a great example. I mean, the guy played at such a high level for his entire career in the O. And then again in the NHL, he was he was part of the best line in hockey for probably a couple seasons. That Heatley Alfie Spezza line was, mm-hmm. if not the best, one of the best. Mm-hmm. But he never won, you know? And, and then he and then he comes home for this for league for minimum. this league minimum deal. when he could have taken a mill probably went somewhere else. But he's coming home for the league men and he's he's getting to practice early and he's staying late and he's working with rookies and stuff like this is the kind of of team atmosphere that I think is is still in the budding process. Yeah, well. in the making. I, I, and I don't want to be that that Leaf fan. That you know, some of our listeners that don't like the Leafs, sorry guys. Again, Leaf heavy here today, but like you know, they're gonna say, "Well, he's just pumping it up for whatever reason." But at the end of the day, I, I just think that the atmosphere is still budding. Okay, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not making excuses. No, for but these the players. veteran leadership is is a huge benefit, and we don't I mean, have just, it really. Just look at that Tampa team. Like you can make all the comparisons between Toronto and Tampa you want based on skill level, based on the the style of play. But that Tampa Bay team, Steven Stamkos is a vet. Victor Hedman is a vet. Palat, Kucherov, vets. Brayden Point, McDonough. upcoming superstar. McDonough, vet. Shattenkirk, Shattenkirk vet. I mean, we have guys who have been there, done that. I mean, uh, McDonough, for example, it was awesome to see that guy win a cup because he was there for that that core with uh, 2010 2015 when the rangers were perennial cup contenders yeah you know when hank was putting them on on the backs and and they were one of the best teams in the nhl for years and years and just couldn't get over the hump so just a, a quick one to um i don't know if we're wrapping up or if you want to segue into something else um wrap it up Really though, we're only hour twenty in. I still wanted only to. Hour I still 20. wanted to ask you about. Wait, but we've been like, I don't even think I said um this whole podcast. Like that's how little time we've wasted. I still wanted to ask you about next season. I wanted to get your your feel on next season, and mostly because as I was driving home from the golf course tonight, uh, they were talking about it on on the radio. So I was. I think. Wondering, do you think January first is too far? Because uh, I think it's too far. What do you mean by too I, far? I, it sounds like a good start date, but to me. And maybe this is just the fan of me talking, but I just I wish it was starting sooner. No, I I, I think it's I think January's too soon. I think at the very best, I, I think at the very best we start the next NHL season when the uh, All Star Game usually is. So right around my birthday, like, January 23, yeah. 24, 25, yeah. um, you know that last week before January ends, and then just rip through and have like a sixty two gamer. Yeah, I think that's what one. happens. And I I was listening to the guys on the radio and. No one really knows, dude. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But and like, they're talking about different they're talking about formats. Having fans. They're, talking they're talking about, about having, having fans. potential fans, like considering it. Which now that we're in the peak of set, or not the peak, but the the thrust, I guess, or the uptick of the second wave, it seems even further away. <laughs> I like thrust. Yeah, I don't. That's a bad fucking verb to use there. The um, COVID is thrusting. thrusting its way back into the Ottawa <laughs> Valley. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to imagine right now, given the circumstances, and I know they've thrown around this idea of having multiple bubbles, maybe six bubbles, and a team goes for two weeks and plays. There's a lot of discussion right now, and I figured that's going to be ongoing for a little while before they hash out a plan, but it's hard to plan for now. It's like in March when we're like, oh, maybe this will be a couple of months. 
Yeah. You know, and, and it turned out to be, what, four or five months before they actually started playing again. So they can make all the plans they want, but it's going to be a, a fluid plan that continues to evolve and change given the, the situation on the ground. And uh, especially considering, I mean, the, the, the tough part about, I guess, professional sports is that they're in metropolitan areas, which are the prime covid central right now well listen i'll tell you this I, I remember when this first came down and i think i had just gotten home from florida safely uh, yeah, with, with my parents driving home 26 hours straight like no stops peeing on the side of the road kind of thing just to get home safely while the borders are still open um kirsty uh, of course being a nurse practitioner she had had some sort of big you know zoom meeting or something of the sort and uh, at that time like they were advised that this situation was likely going to be uh, like years, like years. Yeah. Of, and of, and of it, something. And that's really what it looks like right now. Like years of vaccine. You can't really plan anything fully 100% back to normal until that shit happens. But let me ask you this, and I don't want to put a quarter into you as we're trying to wrap up the show here, but how much do you personally actually think that, you know, COVID the pandemic is you know driven by this upcoming united states election i what do you mean by driven though like like you like know, you, like you think like you think the us is pussifying restrictions because they don't want to sh- uh, have the economic impacts that could affect their electoral prospects well i don't know i don't know how to answer your question i just want to ask you the general question do you think that the COVID situation is at all manipulated, driven, affected, caused, you know, by the election. It is definitely having a profound effect on it because right now, if you look south of the border, they're in the midst of an election season, right? So you've got one party who is sitting there trying to play everything like it's tickety-boo. Everybody go do whatever, reopen wherever, because they believe that the economic expense of trying to contain this virus and treating it like a health emergency is too alarmist and too economically detrimental. But also there's a political aspect to that in that they want, they want the workers to keep working. Okay. We got to remember who most politicians represent, especially South of the border. They represent their donors. Right. They represent the companies, the big fucking money guys. That fund the, right? that fund the campaigns and right? the parties. And those aren't the workers. Those aren't the people at risk. Those aren't the people who don't have health care. Right. Okay. So really, I mean, it, it, if anything, it really exposes to me what the, the elite class, the political class actually cares about. And it's not you. It's not me. It's not Joe who works at the fucking GM plant in Michigan. Yeah, fair enough. It's... The fucking dollars and cents, so, right? So that's why you see this juxtaposition of people who want the 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 CDC in the United States who's saying wear a mask, um, take care, social distance, um, don't open fucking bars and allow hundred people in there, so on and so forth. But then you've got Republican governors and uh, people in the White House going and saying, "Oh no, it's fine. Don't really worry about it. We got a vaccine coming in two weeks," which they've been saying for six months. Yeah, You know, trying to ma- ma- play it like it's okay. So, yeah, because we're in election year, that might have been what has turned it into a political debate when it's really just a human health emergency. This is not a political discussion here. This is driven by science and medical science. So it's either 
you know, I, I made a comment recently that that I don't know if I've mentioned on the show, but I'll tell, talk about it right now. I don't post on Facebook zero, like zero to ever, probably since I ran a campaign. And I came out of the woodwork to say, pretty interesting that during a pandemic, all of a sudden the climate change experts are now medical experts as well. Right. The people who are out there saying like, oh yeah, this is the flu and this is fucking masks and whatever. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. Really? Shut the fuck up. Are you sorry? Do you have a, a medical degree from what university? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. You know. But I mean, it's so it's 2020, right? So everybody has everybody has a voice. Everybody and everybody has, thinks we care to hear it. Everybody has a vehicle, and you know what though, dude? Even if people don't think that you care, they don't care about what you think. So they'll they will post what they believe and tell you that you're wrong because right we don't agree, and you'll say. If I agreed with you, then we would both be wrong. Right. <laughs> you know? And, and, you and know that's, just, that's just the way that the world is It's now. unfortunate now because it, when you get into these kind of topics where there's fact versus fiction, the, the, conspiracy, the, the conspiracy theories really um, prevail, or not prevail necessarily, but I can't think of the proper word here, but they spread. They spread like wildfire in these kinds of situations. Right. People are at home, they're laid off, they're bored, spending way too much time on the internet. It It is impossible to use a reasonable argument and facts to peel somebody out of a conclusion they came to not using reason or facts. Okay. And that's a difficult place to be in. But you got to remember too, right? Like everyone is reading real-time updates. People are, you know, making sure that they click their phones to be alerted anytime there's a tweet that has the word COVID in it. Right. You know, but are you and, following, and, and, are no, you no, following let me finish. the health let me, unit let me, let me, though? No, no, let me finish. The thing is, is that what, what I think spreads, you talked about spreads. What I think spreads is misinformation combined heavily with fear. Right. And I wanted to ask you, as as a, as a person, Adam Lesko, the human, how actually afraid of you know the virus, you know, are you? And and don't relate it to the fact that you don't feel, you know, that it's nice or or morally correct to subject other people's to me other people to maybe get it by like not wearing a mask and stuff but like where are you in terms of like oh man like i could get covid and this is really bad and i gotta be careful and uh, or, or or yeah just answer that like where are you at in that in that sense uh, like from on a personal level on a personal level I'm like how less afraid, afraid of i'm less afraid of coronavirus itself i'm more afraid of the unknown effects of coronavirus okay so enough. For, lasting so, terms for example or there was a uh, a college sports team in the united states and i can't name it specifically because i can't think of the name and what sport it was but they had a number of their players show up to camp when they were trying to shoehorn in uh ncaa uh sports and what they found is that half the players who tested positive, they had like 20 players test positive, half of the players tested positive also developed this known heart condition that's popped up. That shit scares me more than COVID itself, is that what the, the unknown repercussions of COVID are. Even okay, when you're listen, asymptomatic though. and you don't suffer and you don't end up hospitalized, there are a number of uh, additional medical um, like 
I guess, I don't know, issues, or deficient, medical issues that yeah. are born from the disease. Okay, but that me, scares me more. Yeah, but let me ask you though. See, you just said the word scared and you just said the thing that medical issues are born from COVID and all that stuff. How do you know that? How do you know with absolute certainty? I don't, that's, that's the problem. That's what I'm saying. That's so what, what I'm kind of saying is you have to, you, you have to be careful with, I don't mean you, I just mean everyone. You, you got to be careful with like what you're taking to heart and, and what you're what you're deciding, what information you take to decide where you stand on it. Because where I'm thinking is like in many cases, like maybe certain things were discovered as a result of you know being tested and 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 and, and finding out that you're COVID positive, and then going through the rigmarole of getting other further testing and finding out that you have a heart condition. You would have never known that you had a heart condition if you didn't get the COVID and go in. I'm not saying COVID was great or anything, but I'm just wondering, you know, at what point do we have to, it's tough, man. It's tough to decipher through like what is actual fact and what is just being spread as information. It may or may not be true. And that's the thing that it all depends on the sources you rely on. So again, and we, I think we said this at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, do not get your information from secondary sources. You look at the CDC, you look at Health Canada, you look at the local health unit, because that's going to be the most relevant, most up-to-date and accurate information you're going to get, period. Don't yeah. listen to the fucking pundits on the fucking TV. Don't listen to your politicians. Or a podcast. Don't, or a Seriously. podcast. Don't listen to me. Don't listen yeah. to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the end of the day... Take your medical advice from medical experts and that only because, yeah, would they be wrong sometimes? Absolutely. This is an evolving situation where we don't have all the facts, like you said. There's yeah. so much uncertainty around it, and we're learning as we go along. So it, this is a matter of let the people who are on the fucking frontiers of this fucking battle take care of it and fucking inform the public because if we don't, if we don't, and the, the example is going on right now in the United States, if we don't take this seriously and we don't heed medical advice, we're not going to fucking just go back to normal. This will continue till we get a vaccine, period. We will not have normal life and normal socialization until there's a vaccine if people continue to be stupid and selfish. Are you then, is it safe to assume that you are you know, lining up to get the vaccine? I mean, if when it becomes available, absolutely. I mean, I, I might not line up like banging down doors or whatever because I'm a middle, you know, uh, young adult. I guess, yeah, like, sure. Not healthy super man. high risk. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not high priority, and I'm assuming they're going to prioritize at risk populations. But first. I just meant that I was just making a, a point. Like, right? Are you I will. It? I will get it? it. I'm not fucking Mister. Like, oh, don't stick a microchip in me, man. Like, I'm not that guy. Right. I'm not that guy either. But I, I'm also uh, like I was speaking to a friend of mine recently who used that analogy. He's like, I'm elbowing people out of the way to get it. He said, right. Yeah. Well, why the fuck know? not? And I said, okay, well, I, I, he said, what, well, you're not? And I said, well, I don't know, dude. Like I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't really, I almost don't want to say how I feel because I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the accepted well, it's, way to it's, feel. It's such a hard fucking, um, it's a hard thing to navigate. It's a hard situation to even form an opinion on because Again, like I said, you and I don't know. No. We don't know shit. I mean, I I like to think that I stay current and I like to, to stay informed on the situation. But because it's so rapidly evolving, the only people you can really trust are the medical professionals right. out there who are fighting the fight right That's now. That's right. And the, the main reason why I wanted to ask you about it is because I, I recently had a conversation with someone who is, was anti-mask. Like he doesn't wear 
a mask anywhere. So like he like, has it in his like pocket. It's bullshit, basically. Not like yeah, but he's not like he's not like a. See, I don't like wearing the mask. But he's not like a conspiracy theorist or or a Karen, you know, for lack of a better right. term. He has it in his pocket. If someone gives him grief, he puts it on. But he said for the most part. People don't even really acknowledge it and right. he just pays for his groceries and he's on his way. He said, sometimes I see someone else and they don't have one. And he's like, on occasion, I've done one of these. He says the fist, like, you know, just saying to the other guy, like, yeah, fuck the mask. Because he's like, it's just, it's just hurting our society. And he's like, I don't want to live my life this way. He's like, I want to see people smile. I want to talk to people and He's like, I don't want my world to be this way. And I said, yeah, but are you not worried about, you know, the, the, you know, spreading and stuff like that? And he said, bro, I I just, I I don't know. He said, no, to answer your question, no. So it's, it's an interesting topic. And I mean, I kind of, I didn't necessarily agree with him, but I remember saying to some of my buddies that I might consider going maskless at some point as well. Just, I I don't know. I don't think I will. I wear it when I have to, and that's it. Me too. Yeah. But I mean, like, make, not making a stand, but being part of the group that says, no, I'm not going to wear it anymore. But then it's it's different because me not wearing it makes makes me an asshole to everyone else. And I don't like that. I don't like well, just, being an asshole to other people. So I will wear it. Even though I'm yeah. talking a big game right now, I will not go maskless. But yeah. I, I really did consider it. I remember I said, I might go maskless January 1st. Like, my New Year's resolution <laughs> might be to go against I think that's just go against setting it. in, dude. It's the same reason why people want to go to bars and party because they're sick of being fucking told they can only hang out with 10 people you know what i mean like it's just we're used we live in an era where we get instant gratification so to be holding ourselves back for a certain period of time i can absolutely sympathize with people who might want to deviate from the best medical practices and advices because they're just sick and tired of it and it's just unprecedented but i mean fuck I, I read a good story the other day that said when the British were getting air raids in the 1940s from the Germans during the war and people said, uh, you got to turn off your lights at night, turn off all your power so that the Germans can't locate the towns and bomb the shit out of you. People then go, no, it's my fucking right to keep my lights on. <laughs> people went, yeah, I'm going to turn my fucking lights off so my fucking London doesn't get blown to shit. Okay, fair, fair comparison, I guess. So on that note... Mic drop, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> Are we out of here? Yeah, I guess. Pucks and Deep podcast. Also, uh, now a medical podcast. And uh, look us up on your favorite conspiracy websites with all the latest information. Because if you're looking for the truth, man, we got the truth. Doo-doo, no one else knows. The truth is out there. No one else knows what the truth is. The you main- can't handle the truth. The mainstream media is lying to you. The mainstream sports media is lying to you. You need us. You need us podcasters. All right. Good outro, my friend. That was Adam Lesko. You find him on Twitter, at Lesko Adam. Find myself. Put a whole roll of quarters in me at the end of the fucking show. You wanted to shut it down at an hour 09. I wanted to bring up the debate, man. We'll talk about the debate next episode because I, I do think it was worth talking about. Um, yeah, it was a hot mess in a dumpster fire in a, inside a train wreck. That was this episode of the Pucks and Deep Podcast. Find me on Twitter at Coleman42. Station, as always, at PuckPod. We got some pretty sweet guests coming up here on the Pucks and Deep Podcast. 
Once again, episode 67. That's a wrap. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. Thanks for tuning in here on the Pucks and D podcast. We are back, baby. We're ready to rock. We'll see you again next week.